This is the Off Duty On Duty Podcast. Back again, episode number 43. I'm your host, Brian Eastridge. Welcome to the podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com podcast network. The Off Duty On Duty Podcast. We take topics relevant to today's gun owners and tackle them from the perspective of everyday concealed carriers and the perspective of on duty law enforcement officers to give you both angles of discussion. Today, Hanny's back. He's tying up with Daryl Bulky, DB, and we're going to, the, the topic of discussion is going to be called a little to the left. If you know, you know. All right. First, word from our sponsors, title sponsor, Excess Sites. Check them out, excesssites.com. They are uh, users of tritium and photoluminescent paint really quality product for the price point and they will be at the guardian conference this year along with edc belt company our other sponsor edc belt company at edcbeltco.com the foundation belt come check us out at the guardian conference the link to the guardian conference still a few seats left is in the show notes as well as ccw safe ccwsafe.com Enter code off duty 10 off duty one zero at checkout. Get 10% off your membership. Thanks to those guys. They are a legal service membership for concealed carriers and law enforcement officers. The most comprehensive coverage by the most experienced team. If you've heard the episode with Kyle sweet, Gary Eastridge, Kyle Eastridge, uh, all them fellas there. They are all part of the CCW safe team. And I'm working on getting one Mr. Robbie high on here pretty soon to talk to you guys about some, uh, defensive tactics stuff. So, uh, Oh, also Steve Moses, who's been on the podcast. He was a very early podcast guest. So a little to the left with Hanny McMood. All right. Welcome back, Hanny. We're going to talk, uh, what I like to call just a little to the left. And that has nothing to do with politics, uh, religion, uh, your level of wokeness or snowflakedness. Um, we're talking about dancing, but okay. Dancing. Yeah. Yeah. Dancing's a good one. And it has to do with that also common phenomenon. That's a, that's a large word for a, uh, you know, Midwesterner like myself, but a little to the left, meaning like today. I have recently acquired a Glock 45, a G45, not to be confused with a 21, uh, mm-hmm. which you are now carrying for a duty, a, a duty pistol, right? Uh, yes, I am. Cool. So I went to the range to uh, break in my G45, the Gen 5, and, uh, you know, it shoots a smidge to the left. Granted, I have the sights centered. So let's... Uh, Let's kind of explore that for a minute because a lot of people uh, maybe aren't familiar with the uh, the whole phenomenon of they shoot just a hair to the left when the sights are centered and what we both okay. do to kind of combat that. And I will say the Gen 5s, they don't do it nearly as much as some of the previous generations. Has that been your experience? I don't have enough time behind enough gen fives because um you know not to say that you know mine is uh scientifically uh, statistically significant but i've shot a hundred gen threes i've shot 30 or 40 gen fours and i've only shot about six gen fives so 
the other thing is that Glock does changes to their frame without really telling anybody, both in terms of the composition of the plastic and um, like after the 357 SIG came out, they actually put like a U-shaped yoke in the front of the frame behind, you know, connecting the two, um, the two frame rails. So have it, knowing that that's happened in the past, I don't know what frame mods that Glock has done, but knowing Glock, likely they did something. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not either. I just went through their, their, uh, armors course that was gen one through five and all the variants, even the small pistols. I went through their full tilt, like two day everything yeah. from the g48 the 43s the 42s uh all the way up through uh the new glock 22 gen 5 which is a complete departure from the previous uh, which is essentially like a, a contoured glock 21 frame uh glock 21 slide yeah it's like a 21 slide setting yeah. atop a uh a, a 17 frame but uh yeah the Gen 5 stuff, I've got to say, I it takes a lot to impress me in the just the realm of handguns in general, right? I mean, especially semi-auto handguns, everything from, I kind of look at it like everything from a, a an $8,000 custom 1911 to a Glock Gen 2 19, they all kind of do sure. the same thing, right? They just... Uh, sure. It becomes at a certain level of proficiency. It becomes a matter of preference. So, and I have love for all things in between that. And I'm not talking wheel guns. I think there's some some different division there. But, um, but when it comes to like service auto pistols, and I'm talking 320s, Beretta 92s, Glock 1719s, yep. HK VP9s, USPs, all of that stuff they all kind of fall into the category of, okay. Yeah. They do what they're as they do as advertised, which is they are a service size semi-auto. Great. Right. Um, so I'm shooting the G 45 today and I'm doing my typical five yards, two inch dot five rounds. And I cut the dot out of the target from about the center left. And I thought, huh? So, Worked on the grip a little bit, changed the grip a little bit. Still, I'm talking like if you drew a one-inch dot, which I have a one-inch paster in the center of the two-inch dot. If you drew a plus sign through it, elevation-wise, perfect. And I'm cutting the left side of the line off, uh, which is the Gen 3 Glocks I have. We're typically about an inch at five years, you know, three-quarters of an inch to the left. Uh, mm-hmm. and I'd make a little minor sight adjustment and not a big deal. Sights would be kind of pushed over to the right a little bit. We're all back in business. And for the listener, what I wanted to differentiate is like, it's not shooting low left, like changing right. grip, right? Everything mm-hmm. is on par up and down. It's just the group is like pushed. For instance, the test. I shot the center of the X ring out of a B eight bull from about mm-hmm. the left quadrant. And I went, mm, okay. Yeah. Um, but not low, like in the nine ring off about sure. seven o'clock. No. So what, and right now I'm shooting, uh, like some HD sites 
uh, I won't mention the name on that particular gun. And mm-hmm. I, so there's a lot of forgiveness in the window. So I can, sure. in perception, I can favor the right side of that rear U notch just a hair and bring everything back to the center. But you told me an interesting thing that you do to sight in Glocks in particular. So share that one for a second. Uh, in terms of the way I, I, uh, I, I, when I, when I mount a set of sights. Yeah. You were talking about the knife blade technique that right. you used. So, so this is like my quick and dirty way of doing it. Okay. Is obviously it's easiest to, um, you know, our eye can see center very easily. So what I do, my quick and dirty method is I, uh, I, I use my sight pusher and I get it, uh, uh, centered and then i use uh the the tip of my pocket knife okay and i make a scribe mark inside the dovetail cut on each side left and right and then what i do is i put it back in the sight pusher and i move it over until i just barely cover up that scribe mark that i made which is again i i let's call it um a tenth of an inch would be too far. So, um, so you're talking like five thousandths, maybe. Yeah. Just enough about and, the width of a piece of paper, uh, or let's the width. Call of, it the width of a pencil lead. Yeah. And okay. you do that the on the right of side lead. of the dovetail there. Right, and I do it right on right and left. Okay. Okay. So and you have I a little reference on your yeah, left side, exactly. Because if I can see, like. Uh, a whole bunch of room uh, past the scribe mark on the left, I know I've moved it too far. That's why I do it both sides. Well, Hanny, I know, you know, you like pocket knives like I do. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you this nugget and it is, you can use a number two pencil and sharpen it really fine. And the tip of that thing comes out to about five thousandths and it doesn't scribe your gun. So for the listeners, if you don't want to put a little scratch in the dovetail, which you're probably already going to have because you're pushing sights across it. You can take like a, a number two pencil and just use the lead of the pencil. Just get it really finely sharp and do the same, same thing. But I, I've, I think that's likely a lot smarter. It's just, <laughs> I rarely have a pencil on me. <laughs> yeah. The, the, uh, the other thing I, um, uh, the other thing that I've, I've learned is, um, when, when I sight in a, a Glock, uh, uh-huh. specifically that, that slide is very, uh, geometrically sound, meaning it is very square, right? Yep. So I can kind of eyeball by looking at the way the sights are centered on that square. And I guess that just comes from years of doing 1911 work that I can look at it and I can go, okay, it just needs to favor the right side a little bit. And then I look at it from the top and I can see right. a little more room on the dovetail on the left side than the right side. And, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. To, today I was shooting 124 spear lawman and 147 spear lawman. And I was shooting groups out of the Glock that I didn't think were achievable with past generations. If that makes sense. Like they were it always does, it does, decent. It does make sense. So, um, as you know, I've been a, a, um, 
a longtime Glock shooter. Uh-huh. Uh, and as you know, I love anything that goes bang. But um, between um, the 9mm Glock family, generally 17s, and 1911s in 45, in the last 30 years, I think I'm probably approaching somewhere between four and 500,000 rounds. Wow. Yeah. Um, and which is why uh, this elbow was repaired seven years ago, and this elbow was repaired uh, uh, five months ago. But having said that, um, the um, uh, so I have a lot of time. Th- those two platforms are what I have the most time behind. And uh, for me, uh, Glocks have always shot for me, uh, you know, as they come out of the box or whatever, about, uh, you know, let's say at 10 yards, I can notice the difference. It's probably three quarters of an inch. And if I go down to, let's say, uh, 25 yards, it's a good, it's a good two inches, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. I, I benched a a number of different Glocks, uh, that were all either seized guns or LE trade-in guns. Uh, when I was shooting on the pistol team for a service gun, it just seemed to be kind of logical. Okay. Uh, I, and I didn't want to go drop money on a nine millimeter 1911. And so, and what I discovered was, uh, with a, a decent set of sights regulated to the gun, uh, and 124 grain ammo seemed to be the ticket for mm-hmm. paper punching. I could get those guns down to about three inches at 25 yards predictably. But it okay, var- are we talking offhand? Or no, I'm talking barricade. Which, when I say uh, benched them, I mean shooting off of a barricade, stabilized on a barricade. Got it. So, okay. uh, and those guys, which for me, I mean, that was you know 25 yards shooting standing off of a barricade a three to three and a half inch group and more favoring towards three uh was was pretty common but occasionally you would get one that would do two and a half and sometimes you would get one that would do three and a half to five (laughs) you know so it just kind of depended on the gun and now granted these are guns that all had various round counts through them yeah and the the one thing i noticed was there was kind of for supreme accuracy there was really a sweet spot between about two thousand rounds and twenty thousand rounds anything over that they started to get predictably less accurate and but less accurate meaning eh, they would still hold under you know four and a half to five inches at 25 yards most people can't shoot that regularly uh, uh-huh. so was it acceptable on the duty front? Yeah, probably. Um, because in oh, be, ge- be generous, Brian, uh, on, on the duty front, that is acceptable. Yeah. It, it I, I, they were, yeah, they were never meant to be a, you know, a target. You and I are gun. finicky. Yeah. You and I are finicky about that, but you know, in terms of what you would expect from an out of the box duty gun, that, that be good. You got, you got, you got to say that's acceptable. Yeah. And even after that round count, that was, that was more than acceptable. Uh, but you know, I came from that PPC school where I wanted all the holes in the same spot and it was very, 
it was very eye opening with when you get to the point in your shooting development that you can start to see differences in different ammo and different bullet weights. And, and I really appreciate Mr. Tom Givens. He did a, uh, he did a recent post on, uh, like duty loaded ammo where he shot several different duty loads through his Glock 34 that he carries all the time and saw some pretty startling dis- uh, differences in where they printed. Yes. Now, granted he was shooting like two and a half, three inch groups back to, I think 25 yards. And you're talking, well, this one prints an, an inch higher than this one. And this one prints, you know, a half right. inch left and this one and i'm like most people are never going to see that until you've put a lot of time in uh and that's right. something else that you know gets lost in translation is is what is to me what is acceptable accuracy and that is a sliding scale <laughs> so um, it, it is a sliding scale uh depending on um um, you know, it's intended use. Um, and, and also, um, sometimes what you and I have both seen is occasionally, you know, let, let's say, let, let's call it, you know, three inch groups, just round figures. Right. Okay. But what you and I have both seen is that occasionally you have just a, an incompatibility. It's that pistol just doesn't like that ammo. Right. Okay. And then, you know, some people who, and again, I'm not saying like we're experts. Um, we were just, you know, we're just longtime students. Well, I, but I did. Some hear... people will do something and then they'll go, yeah, this gun is not accurate. Okay. Mm. But, I have seen some like gross incompatibilities between ammo and that particular pistol that would really surprise you. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And yeah, it was really apparent when I shot PPC because you have, Mm -hmm. you had, you know, I had a, a Bob Jones custom revolver that I swear I will buy back someday, but that gun. Right. And, and when you get a really good deal on it, I want it. Well, the uh, the gun Wait, though. This is being recorded, right? Oh yeah. So, so it's it's uh, set in stone now. So right. Okay. Moving on. But but what I could see is I got that gun. I was able to tell differences in ammunition between lot to lot. So sure. and that that is something that a lot of people outside of maybe. Uh, shooters that are are very precise about shooting a uh, like a bolt action hunting rifle or maybe an AR sure. or something like that that they have they have a uh, a proficiency of accuracy that's that's better than the average bear. They will be able to see that type of of yeah. shift. Most handguns, unless you're really dialed in, you're not going to see huge shifts unless there is a gross incompatibility and. One of the things I discovered recently was a lot of ammo companies, I won't mention them, but a lot of your bigger ammo companies are owned by the same conglomerate and they're putting out ammo that is predictably similar. And 
the consistency and the quality and all that is being held to a standard now that we've probably never seen in history before. Uh, although some of the smaller ones have kind of, or not even some of the, some of the mainstream ones, their quality controls gotten a little wonky with the ammo shortage, but I've never been at a time shooting where I could go buy off the shelf. Let's just use spear. For example, Buy a box mm-hmm. of Spear Lawman 124 and shoot at seven or at 10 yards, hold a 10 ring on a V8 bull consistently. Okay. Uh, right. Regardless of gun. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is regardless of service pistol like VP9, USP, I've just never seen it that good sure. before. Uh, I always had to hand load to get that kind of accuracy. And now I'm starting to see it out of the box a lot of times. Uh, and I think that's can be attributed to, you know, the guns are being held there to better standards because they're being made on better equipment and the ammunition, the same thing. And we've put a lot of emphasis on the nine millimeter now. So sure. that that's really come a long way. Um, and without having to drop, hundreds and hundreds of dollars on custom parts and barrels and all that that fancy stuff so but it was a pretty interesting day today at the range and i i may post up the pictures of some of the groups i shot and i gotta say i have never shot groups like that out of an off the rack glock i just never have um and that's not breaking my arm patting myself on the back that's just hey that that was a pretty big eye opener, um, but still had a little touch of that, just a little to the left, which is what I named the podcast today. So, so should you know, we, the, go ahead. The, the The thing that uh, occurs to me first is that you know, um, people naturally assume, and it kind of makes sense because. If everything looks even, it should be even. But you're you okay, we're not talking about thousand yard shooting to where we are taking into account spin drift and the Coriolis effect. I knew you were gonna slip Coriolis effect into a podcast at some point. All right, there you go. But the thing is, is that um I've seen so so many um glock shot you know so as you know i've been instructing for a long time in the, in the last six years that's all i've been doing is instructing so uh, before i get too wonky i'll give you a good example there is a young gentleman and i had him as a recruit back when before i did this full time uh back when i was an adjunct instructor and actually doing real work every day okay and it was about oh like Eight years ago. And um, then about three years ago, of course, unfortunately, I didn't really remember him because of, you know, the number of recruits you often teach. But we were talking and now he's like a six year officer at that point, And he's on SWAT and um, um, his agency sent him to be a firearms instructor. And this guy's giving me really good groups, including at 25 yards, except they're about two and a half inches over. So um, I walk up to him 
And I said, let me see your pistol. And I looked down at the sights and they're dead center. And then I shoot three rounds of 25 yards and I'm hitting where he's hitting. And, and I said to him, I said, uh, you, you know, your sights just need a little shift. I mean, you, you have nothing wrong with your technique. You're shooting beautifully. And the guy just kind of hangs his head and goes, yeah. Um, I've mentioned that to our head guy. And he said to us, these are not sniper rifles. These are zeroed from the factory. You yeah. are not allowed to touch them. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, yeah. No, he, so, uh, again, I'm keeping this vague. So, I, I looked at him and I said, really? He said, really? And so, I let him shoot probably about 10 more minutes. And, you know, he's doing fine. And I said, you know what? That, and, and um, it was a G22, okay? Okay, yeah. Clock 22 and 40. I said, you know what? Um, that sounds like your pistol is really dry. So, I'll be back in one minute. Because <laughs> it seems to me, just from the sound I'm hearing as it's cycling, it needs more lube. So I took his pistol uh, back to my arms room and I added lubricant. Funny how that works, isn't it? Right. I came back, I handed it to him and he shot, you know, a five round group and his head snaps at like the speed of heat. And he looks at me and he goes, it's shooting dead center. I looked at him and I said, lubricant can do a lot. <laughs> You know, because that way he is not in a jam in terms of did you did you move these sites? Yeah, no, he did not. So and, and I, I, I don't know whether that was a right or wrong thing to do, but in my heart of hearts, I know that was the right thing to do. So I, I, I made the adjustment that needed to be made. And I don't know what his his head guy is thinking. Uh, well, I do know, but it's wrong. And, and you know, that's why the dovetail is that wide. It's so you can shift it. And this guy like had this look on his face, like, like, like I, he looked like, you know, a bear or a lion that had a thorn in his paw for like three years mm -hmm. and I plucked it out. That that's what it looked like. And that's all it needed. But I'm willing to take that. You know, I'm willing to take the whatever it is. And I came back, handed it to him. I said, your pistol is now well lubricated. And <laughs> sure enough, he's hitting dead center now. So see what I mean? And so I've seen that before. And I, I've had it happen where we've had uh, cadets, for instance. And, um, uh, you know, as you know, I we have cadets from numerous agencies because we're a regional academy. Right. And uh, this one particular agency, they had like three cadets. And, uh, you know, this one guy, uh, uh, you know, usually we have a liaison and they call and they go, hey, how, how's our guys doing? Or they show up and go, hey, how are our guys doing? And I said, oh, all good. Uh, I said, it's just uh, so-and-so. I said, um, you know, uh, his pistol was, um, you know, really shooting to the left. And I said, uh, did did you guys install the sites? He goes, yeah. He goes, uh, those are brand new pistols and we installed the sites. 
I said, yeah, I could tell because they were exactly dead center. I said, so I, I shifted his, um, his sights, you know, slightly on the right side and uh, he's doing beautifully. And this guy looked at me like I was a three headed Martian. He goes, uh, I've never heard of that. <laughs> well, I didn't, you know, to be honest, you know, you, you, you run into that weird situation in life where on the one hand, you can think of about eight things that you want to say. And <laughs> then, you know, and then, you know, logic and decorum and so on tells you, yeah, perhaps not. And I just said to him, I said, well, sir, you know, that's been my experience. And two, do you know how much is, and I did this just to like throw him for a loop. I said, do you know how much stigmatism he has? Oh, no. no. Did you say, well, "Well, me either, but I fixed it. So we're good. Right, right. But I said, oh, uh, stigmatism um, that will affect, will affect that. So uh, I shot the pistol. And I, he shot it and I shot it and now it is dead on for him. Uh, there, you know, no flinch, no jerk, no nothing. It is dead on for him. And he was still shaking his head, but fortunately he wasn't going to change it, you know? Yeah. And, and it surprises me some, well, not sometimes it surprises me every time that like, you know, and, and I know we started this topic about a little bit to the left and it refers to Glocks, but, um, you know, it, it still surprises me that some guys would go, I'm, I've never heard of that. Well, well, if you've never heard of it, you've never heard of it. But that doesn't mean it's not valid. Now, yeah. if you teach, uh, you know, 140 a year, you know, for a week, and then you've been doing this for years, you likely would have. But okay. Well, and I've seen, uh, I've seen all manner of that over the years. Yeah. And, the the big thing I, I kind of want to emphasize is if you're shooting way low left, it's, it probably ain't the gun, bro. Right. But uh, yeah, that that has nothing to do with astigmatism. It has nothing to do with sights. It has nothing to do with any of that. If you're a lefty yeah. shooting lay, way low right, mm-hmm. probably ain't the gun, bro. And, exactly uh, right. One of the uh, one of the things built in 1911s. One of the things I got to say, and I, I will throw a little shout out to Caspian Arms because you know. Gary and the, that crew over there, they turn out some good stuff, man. Uh, I think I've got three 1911s built on Caspian, so I'm a fan. Yeah, they're uh, they're slides, man. That's you can literally pick the rear sight that you want, and within about two thousandths of an inch with two thirty grain uh-huh. hardball, I can slap right. a front sight centered on it and tell mm-hmm. you exactly what the front sight height's going to be when that barrel's fitted and never have to drift either one. Yeah. That's how good they hold their tolerances, so I'll give them a little kudos. Well, Hanny, are you ready for the rapid-fire portion? Almost. I'll say one quick thing. Go ahead. The thing about astigmatism, I, I did that to throw that guy for a loop, but it is valid. So It, it is indeed, I have, and I have it. Right. And I have a lot of astigmatism. Okay. So, uh, one of the people that I regularly, um, shoot with and instruct with. Okay. Okay. Same thing, you know, brand new Glock, whatever they will shoot to the left. Okay. Now 
now he he just hands me his new pistol and goes, please mount these for me. And I've done it enough times that I can mount the sights to where they shoot perfect for him, but they're not perfect for me. So with him, it's about an inch and a half to the left at 25. With me, it's two and a half inches at 25. So I've done this enough times for him and for me that when it's for him, I, I know where to set it. Or I set it and then I shoot it and I go, okay, it's still shooting one inch left for me. And I hand it to him and he shoots perfectly center because our vision is different. Yeah. So the, the astigmatism thing it is valid. So I didn't just use it as a parlor trick. But there you go. Well, oh, I just uh, found out that fast, fast coin number 20 was just bestowed upon someone. So oh, cool. Yeah. So congratulations. Anyone not, we know? Uh, I, I was looking at it. Let me see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it happened in Franklinville, North Carolina. So Ernest is okay. out there teaching a class, and okay, cool. Uh, the, I'm, I'm I'm happy to hear it. The, uh, I've tried it about six or five times total in my life, and you know, I I can get it on a good day. I can get into the high fives, but that that's as good as I can get. So. Well, congratulations. Yeah. It didn't have his name, but congratulations, Fast Coin number 20. Uh, so, indeed. The rapid fire section goes All a right, little sir. like this. I'm changing it up because uh, you you and Daryl are now tied for podcast guest hostings. And, uh, well, obviously, we need to fix that. Right. So, I guess I got to, like, maybe, I think maybe here in about three or four episodes, I'm going to have you both on. And I'm I'm just going to try dude, to moderate. Do you remember the Star Trek episode with the dude? You know, one guy's face was half black, half white, and the other guy's face was half black, half white, but the opposite way, and they were like matter, antimatter. Uh, <laughs> that might be what occurred. <laughs> just be prepared. Oh uh, well, if the time space continuum. It could may adjust. And if I feel really froggy, I'll slip Dobbs in. Uh, and okay, well, that's not fair. That's not fair. But uh, but either way, they'll gang up on me. No, 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 no. This uh, I think that will be a, a an interesting deal. But you know, I I try to keep podcasts to like me and one guest, maybe two, uh, because two it's really hard to coordinate. So, uh, but at some point we gotta we gotta have like um, we'll call Before it like anybody thinks that I have like you know possibly anything against Wayne Dobbs, by the way I said it. Oh. Uh, which I don't think anybody would think that. But let me put it yet a different way. Wayne has been one of my mentors, and he probably wouldn't like me saying. Wayne has been one of my mentors since before I pinned on a badge. That's I it. met Wayne at a shooting class while I was in grad school. And, and we hit it off. And then over the years... You know, we kept meeting and meeting and then became very good friends and so on. But Wayne has been one of my mentors, not just about shooting, but how to conduct yourself as a cop. Yeah. How to do certain things that Wayne has been one of my mentors, uh, you know, my entire adult working life, which will probably embarrass him, but I don't mind embarrassing Wayne. 
<laughs> so the rapid fire portion, three que- yes, it's going to be three questions, and they're blind questions because, you know, it wouldn't uh, be fun if I gave them away. Okay, question number one. If you could have any Glock in any configuration, what would it be? 30-second answer, go. Okay, just quick question. I got to go to the store and buy one? Like, like that? It, it could be anything. It could be like, hey, Glock, well, make me things, this. Then. Okay, two things, uh, uh, which is an expensive way to go, is a regripped by like you know, Boresight Solutions uh, with different texture with a hard fit Barstow barrel. Okay. And I have a G17 that's just like that. So you already have your Desert Island Glock. Uh, But I do, but it's probably got about 60,000 rounds through it. I've decided it might be time to not carry it all the time and just keep it as an instructing guy. And I didn't know what to do until... I shot about three G45s, and then for the first time in 15 years, I went to a gun shop, I bought an LE Blue Label G45, and that's what I'm carrying. Perfect. So there you go. Two answers, like if you could do anything or if you just had to go and buy one. Well, and I will tell you that that G45... I'll let you get away with a one-minute answer. shoots 90% of the accuracy. Okay, there you go. <laughs> But it shoots 90% of the accuracy of a hard-fit Barstow. Okay. Question number two. Number two is this. If everything fell into chaos tomorrow, and I'm talking the world falls into chaos, and it's every man for himself, do you grab a custom 1911, your choice of caliber, Or the G forty five. Yeah, you know. Again, I've accused you before of making Guantanamo type questions. <laughs> so uh, this falls almost in that. But realistically, that's not that hard a question. Yes, uh, it, it would. It would be a G forty five. So um, uh, the parts are very available, and the parts are drop in. And yeah. as you know, and I know, with nineteen elevens, nothing is drop-in if it actually works properly. I was just expecting you to answer yes. Yeah. <laughs> so well, here's the thing. leave it vague. I have more 1911s than I have got, and I love them. I have them in every caliber. I love shooting them, all of the above. But there's a difference. With your question, yeah, uh, just a, a stock G45. If I'm lucky, I can change the sights, and that's it. I'd be happy. Okay. Let's see. Question number three. The age-old question. 17 rounds of 9 millimeter. Okay. 17 rounds of 9 millimeter, or I'll give you 10 rounds of 45. Yeah. Again, um, nowadays, that is not a difficult question. Um, Yeah. um, I would probably... Even if you're comparing FMJ to FMJ, I'd probably take the more rounds. But given uh, the amount of good ammo that there is in 9mm, yeah, it's it's not a tough question. I carry a 1911 when I want to carry a 1911. But not because 
but not because I feel like it gives me like an edge or that 45 is that much better or anything. It's because I like them, but you know, good ammo in nine millimeter in a Glock, it'll pretty much do as good as any service pistol can do. Yep. I completely agree. Well, Hanny, I think that wraps it up. Do you have a final thought? Strangely, I don't. <laughs> you know, that's kind of where I'm at after the week that I've had. I, I just, I got, uh, you know, the tank is empty. I think we've just laid it out on the table today. And uh, for those of you that are still listening, we went over our allotted 30 minutes by about five minutes, and that's okay. Um, of all the service pistols I've ever had, and I have, and I have functionally carried a Sig P220 in 45, a Sig P226 in 40 Smith and Wesson, a P226 in nine millimeter. I've carried a Glock 21 SF. I've carried a Glock 19. I've carried a P320, and I've carried a VP9. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, I carried a Beretta Vertec very briefly, and I have carried all of these for multiple months in uh mm-hmm. so that's that's let's see one two that's eight guns the longest running one was a p226 in 40 uh of all of those guns exactly none of them did anything that the others didn't it just happened to be what i preferred at the time yeah so little uh in size um um lo- lots of things you know play a role in that but as long as it's a high quality pistol mm-hmm. that works properly and wasn't made on, you know, a Monday or a Friday works predictably good brand. Um, really, you know, when people start ar- arguing minutia of one or the other, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, um, you know, the old saying about, uh, counting angels on the head of a needle kind of thing. It's, it's just, um, it's not really germane. It's, can you run it or not? Exactly. Well, I think that'll wrap it up. All right. Episode 43. I can't believe we're at 43. I think I'm going to call one through 50, like season one. And then at 50 start season two. So maybe, maybe I'll roll it to a hundred. That all depends on you guys. Throw me a message and let me know what you want to see. Do you want to see a, uh, you want to see it, uh, seasons or do you want to see episode numbers? Also, I forgot to mention last week's podcast giveaway winner. Michael K won a $50 SSP. eyewear gift card. The next prize is a 511 cap flight 93 commemorative. If you want to be eligible for the podcast giveaway, you got to sign up weekly. Link is in the show notes. All right, guys. Reminder, check out today's sponsors, Excess Sites, EDC Belt Company, CCW Safe, uh, the Guardian Nation Conference, and the Concealed Carry Podcast giveaway. Go sign up. If you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, and please share the podcast. The Off-Duty, On-Duty Podcast is a production of Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC.
Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC, presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions, follow all firearm safety rules, consult with a competent firearms instructor, and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.